0: You can stay there in 2 Samuel 9. That's where we'll be sitting today. This story has always been really impactful to me and a powerful story of, of God's kindness, of God's love for all of us. Um, it's a story where King David um, is showing kindness to Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. And... Uh, as it's expressed here, this is truly, we see a window into not just human kindness, but the kindness of God, as it's expressed there in verse 3. So I want to look through this passage, look at some of the background as well of the story, and some of the things that happened afterward, and see what lessons we can take for ourselves to be more like God in his kindness. So first, uh, we just read this story, but I want to look at some of the background and just consider why is it, That David was showing kindness for Jonathan's sake as it says there in verse 1. I don't think this is the only reason why David shows this kindness. I don't think it's the primary reason but um, there in verse 1 he does say that he wants to show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Why would it say that? So if you would turn to 1 Samuel 20. 1 Samuel 20. We have here some background of when Jonathan was still alive. Uh, This would have been of course Saul's son. Uh, who Saul being the first king of Israel and uh, David and Jonathan had a deep uh, friendship and uh, as David starts to learn about Saul's intent to kill him and he flees, Jonathan does not yet know about it he goes to Jonathan and he said if, the, if there's anything between you and me if there's anything you're not telling me if this has been a plot between you and your father uh, and, and I am guilty of anything you know, uh, then then uh, I deserve to die but then kill me yourself he says but uh, Jonathan said no I did not know anything about this I would never uh, think this at all about you and I had no idea what my father was planning and uh, so they come up with this plan for Jonathan to go and eat where David would have been expected at the table of Saul uh, and for him to find out whether Saul was intending to uh, kill David or not and to come back and report to him. And in the midst of that conversation, beginning in verse 14 of 1 Samuel 20, it says, but show me, this is uh, Jonathan speaking to David, and he says, but show me unfailing kindness. We see that word again. Like the Lord's kindness, as long as I live, so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family. Not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. So you see that uh, uh, Jonathan uh, makes this covenant with David, uh, compelling him to show the Lord's kindness to him as long as he lives. And he did this because he loved David as he loved himself. So uh, a little bit later on uh, in 2 Samuel 4, in 2 Samuel 4, we read about uh, one of Jonathan's sons. We, uh, in, at the end of First Samuel is when uh, Saul and Jonathan die at the hands of the Philistines. But we find out a little tidbit here about what happened at that moment when uh with Mephibosheth one of Jonathan's sons in verse four, Second so Samuel 4 4 it says Jonathan son of Saul had a son who was lame in both feet and was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel his nurse picked him up and fled but as she hurried to leave he fell and became disabled His name was Mephibosheth. Uh, So uh, we learn about uh, this disability that Mephibosheth had, where he was paralyzed in his legs or feet and wasn't able to walk. Um, And how that happened, it was an accident that happened as they were running away um, uh, when they heard that Saul and Jonathan had died. So now let's turn back to 2 Samuel 9. And take a look at this story. And I want us to draw out parallels as we look through this uh, between how David treated uh, Mephibosheth, the kindness of God that he showed him, it says here, and the kindness that God actually does show to each one of us. And uh, kind of note some similarities. So first let's just talk through what how David treats Mephibosheth. First of all, in verse 5, it says, So King David. Had him, brought, uh, had him brought, that is, Mephibosheth, brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makir, son of Amiel. So David had inquired, he found out of Mephibosheth, and then he went and sought him out to bring him to him. Uh, David seeks out Mephibosheth in the first place. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth doesn't come to David, but David seeks him out and brings him. Uh, the response of Mephibosheth is first to honor him, there in verse 9, and then in verse uh, then in verse 6, I'm sorry, and then in verse 9, uh, verse 8, that is, to bow down and to sh- show humility before uh, David, realizing that he was not worthy, he said, to receive this kindness. But notice uh, the kinds of things that David did for Mephibosheth. Um, he, was restore- he restored to him all the land that had belonged to his grandfather Saul in verse 7. And then there in verse 7, it also says, you will always eat at my table. Four times it mentions that, that idea that he would always eat at his table. In verse 7, in verse um, 10, will always eat at my table. In verse 11, uh, that so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And then in verse 13, he always ate at the king's table. So four times minute, this is a really emphasized idea that Mephibosheth came and ate, always ate at David's table. Um, and it wasn't just that he said, hey, I'll take care of you now. It says there in verse 11 that he would be like one of his own sons. So David really adopts Mephibosheth as his own child um, and, uh, and lives with David as one of his own sons. So as we're looking at that, let's now take a look at how we can maybe apply this or think about how God has shown us the same thing. Think about, first of all, though, some of the barriers that there may have been for David in showing this kind of kindness. One is that he was the grandson of his kind of rival, his archenemy, uh, who was trying to kill him for a lot of his life uh, before he died, Saul. Um, also, uh, he, perhaps some people would dismiss him or something because of his disability. David does not. Right? David does not let any of those things hinder his love for Mephibosheth, his showing this kindness to him. So let's think about how that kind of applies to us. First of all, God has also sought us out. Turn to uh, Psalm 139. Uh, Psalm 139, verse 1, David says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. So uh, this idea that God didn't just go off somewhere far away and say, Hey, come find me. You know, God made himself available. He searched us out. He has sought us out. He draws us to him, as John says. Um, God cares deeply. He initiates contact with us, um, just like David did with Mephibosheth. And uh, our response, therefore, should be similar to Mephibosheth's. Uh, he pays him honor. He bows down and says, I'm not worthy. I'm, uh, he even uses the term dead dog, right? Like, I'm not worthy at all uh, even to be... Uh, your most humble servant. And that's, that should be our response as well. This idea that, God, I um, don't deserve this kindness that you show me. I'm unworthy to receive it and worship, worshiping God. Um, if you think of a couple passages that go along with that idea, Ezra 9 and verse 13, when Ezra is praying uh, a prayer, essentially on behalf of the people and for their sin, He has this phrase, he says, you have requited us less than our iniquities deserve. Um, Knowing full well uh, where we have been, what side of the tracks we came from, our past, our our sins, um, we come to God humbly, realizing we do not deserve to be in God's presence at all. In Psalm 103, verse 10, there's a similar phrase there. You can go ahead and turn there, Psalm 103. One of my favorite psalms. Read verse 9 and 10. It says, He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. This idea that as we come to God, we come humbly, knowing that we are unworthy um, to receive the immense blessings that God has given us. Um, Another connection here we see is that David blessed Mephibosheth. He gave him all the lands that his grandfather. Uh, Saul had had. Uh, he, he lets him eat ha- at his own table. And if you think about also the immense blessings that we have in Christ, uh, Ephesians 1.3 says that we have all of the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Um, he, and also in Ephesians, it talks about how he raised us up to be with Christ. Um, so just uh, every, God did not reserve any. Uh, he did not hold back any blessing um, that is available to us. But he's made them all available to us, just like David did here for Mephibosheth. And also, uh, David went as far, not just to let him eat at his table, but to make him as one of his own sons, to adopt him, essentially. Um, Like, I'm not going to just be your guardian, I'm going to be your father now. And that's what God has done for us. We're not just held at arm's length, saying, I'll give you blessings, but um, you know, we can't be that close. God actually takes us into his family, makes us one of his own, um, his own children. Uh, Turn to Hosea 11. Hosea 11. This is one of my favorite passages about God uh, making us his children. It's speaking of Israel here, but this is uh, also true for us in Hosea 11, verse 1, beginning. It says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like the one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. I love that picture of, of God as a loving, tender father, teaching us how to walk, holding us by our arms, feeding us. like you. And, and the idea that we are so dependent upon God. Uh, we cannot do these things on our own. Imagine an abandoned child. At, you know, two years old or, or one and a half years old, that child would not survive, right? Um, but God has taken us in; he's made us his own children. He's taking, uh, taught us how to walk with him, how to um, feed on his, on his word, on his things, and uh, to become like him. Uh, also, one of my other favorite passages about this idea is Ephesians 1.5. Ephesians one five says he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So this idea that God again takes us as his own children um, by adoption. The idea you can't. Um, I, I I say this a lot because. Uh, adoption is something very close to my heart, obviously, and uh, you can't adopt by accident, right? Uh, It takes a lot of intention, and there are situations in the world today where people have unwanted children, sadly. Uh, They don't mean to get pregnant, and they don't really want the child, and all kinds of horrible things happen in those scenarios, but you can't accidentally adopt, right? So the fact that God chose us, he predestined, meaning he decided this beforehand, from before the foundation of the world he decided this, that we would be his children, that we would be adopted as his children. He planned it, he purposed it, he made it all possible through Jesus. Like that shows uh, great love. You you cannot be accidentally adopted and you know if you are adopted, you are loved. You are loved. And uh, so I think that's a huge emphasis here in 2 Samuel 9. Um, because it's mentioned four times, that he would eat at his table, you would become one of his own children. So uh, I want us to think about one more thing. I mentioned the barriers that I thought maybe would have been there for David in showing this kindness. Maybe Mephibosheth's past or his heritage, uh, who his grandfather was. Maybe uh, his disability. Um, But I just want to make... Abundantly clear that our past, whatever it might be, whatever whoever our father or grandfather was, makes no difference to God. God's kindness is not changed at all. Whoever, whatever our past is or whatever our uh, heritage is, nor it are our disabilities uh, a hindrance to God's kindness toward us. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's labeled or unlabeled. Uh, what what disabilities we might have. We are, uh, you are not uh, a weak human. You are strong. You are um, complete and beautiful in God's eyes. So um, I want us to think about not just the kindness then that God has shown us through this, but also the kindness that we can show. We can show the kindness of God. That's what David said he was doing, is showing the kindness of God to others. And so I want us to think about how we can show this kindness uh, to one another. Um, and of course, in a sense, it's on a much smaller scale, right? Um, because uh, the actual kindness of God is so abundant and so and, and applies to just all to all people. But the ki- showing, being able to show this kindness then to one another, I think is super significant. If you think of maybe, for example, 1 Corinthians twelve, uh, you have there. Uh, those who were perceived as uh, the more, the, the members that were kind of in the spotlight, the ones who had more honor in some ways. And then you had the ones who were maybe less in the spotlight, uh, the less presentable members, uh, you might say. Um, and the, the instruction given there is that greater honor, uh, they're deserving of it, greater honor be given to uh, the, the, uh, the members that are not in the spotlight. Or you might think of Philippians 2. We can go ahead and turn there. Philippians 2. I think very much this falls in line with the, the mindset here, in verse, beginning in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That um, as we uh, consider showing God's kindness to others um, and how to do that, ultimately it is an unselfish um, act. It is an act of love. It's uh, denying ourselves, um, not considering our own interests, but the, the, the great value that God has placed on each person and how we can um, demonstrate that, and how we treat everyone. God is the originator of this kind of kindness. It's not ultimately a human thing. It's something that God, because we are made in his image, uh, has, has given us the ability to do. And by learning from his example as well, um, given us the ability to carry out this kind of kindness. Uh, so really, as we grow in this, as we grow in this kindness of God, and the ability to demonstrate it to each other, we're becoming more like him in his nature. Um, and that's really the, the crux of all of this. So I want to show that we've seen a positive example of God's kindness in David uh, shown to Mephibosheth. But I want to, this the, the very last thing I want to look at is a contrast to that. And what ha- what does it look like when that kindness is not shown toward the same individual, Mephibosheth? So turn to uh, 2 Samuel 16. What I think is cool about this story um, is you see, because uh, just in 2 Samuel 9, you don't really see how Mephibosheth then lives out his faithfulness to David. Um, you just see that he's blessed, right? Uh, he doesn't feel like he deserves it, but he, he's blessed. What happens then? Well, uh, and later on in 2 Samuel, you see how Mephibosheth has a chance to show his loyalty, his uh, commitment to, to David. Uh, so in uh, 2 Samuel 16, beginning, we have the situation here is that David has been basically kicked out of his kingdom. Um, his son, Absalom, has taken over his kingdom. He's persuaded the hearts of people. Uh, to come after him, to serve him as a new ruler, and David uh, realizes what's happened and has to flee. And uh, in verse 1 there of 2 Samuel 16, it says, When David had gone a short distance beyond the summit, there was Ziba, the steward of Mephibosheth, waiting to meet him. He had a string of donkeys saddled and loaded with 200 loaves of bread, 100 cakes of raisins and a hundred cakes of figs and a skin of wine. The king asked Ziba, why have you brought these? Ziba answered, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on and the the bread and fruit are for the men to eat. And the wine is to refresh those who become exhausted in the wilderness. The king said to him, where is your master's grandson? uh, Speaking of Mephibosheth, by the way. Ziba said to him, he is staying in Jerusalem because he thinks today the Israelites will restore to me, my grandfather's kingdom. Then the king uh, said to Ziba, "All that belongs to Mephibosheth is now yours. I hum- I humbly bow." Ziba said, "May I find favor in your eyes, my lord, the king." So this does. So Ziba, by the way, it was like the uh, one in charge of Mephibosheth, and uh, Ziba was the one then that also had com- kind of command of Mephibosheth's uh, land, the land that had been given to him. Uh, but uh, Ziba is uh, coming out uh, to follow David, and David says, well, where is uh, Mephibosheth? Isn't, you know, uh, why isn't he here? And Ziba says about Mephibosheth that he uh, thinks that, well, maybe now I'll be able to get back control for my father's kingdom, for Saul's kingdom implying that, that Mephibosheth is not really loyal to you, and when he found the opportunity, he would take it to then get control of the kingdom again. Um, but uh, we'll find out that that was not the case, for, that, that Mephibosheth did not say that, and that Ziba is uh, taking advantage of him uh, to, uh, to, 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 to do this. And so you really see uh, the kindness of God not being shown here whatsoever toward Mephibosheth. Yet, look uh, onward to uh, chapter 19, and we'll see things are clarified when David comes back to Jerusalem after the whole issue is over. In verse 24, that's Second Samuel nineteen twenty-four, Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king, and he had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. When he came... Uh, from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? He said, My lord the king, since I, w- your servant, was, am lame, I said, I will have my donkey saddled and, and will ride on it so I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me. He has slandered your servant to my lord the king. My lord the king is like an angel of God, so do whatever you wish. All my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death. For my lord the king, but you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? Then the king said, "Why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the land." Mephibosheth said to the king, "Let him take everything. Now that my lord the king has returned home safely." So you see that what Ziba had said about Mephibosheth was slander. It was not true, and Mephibosheth. Uh, was wholly dedicated to David, he had never wavered in that, and uh, there was evidence of that when he returned he hadn 't washed his clothes he hadn't he had mourned david 's uh, leaving, and that he had been faithful to him all this time. If you think about the parallel with that with us, uh, when we have been shown such kindness to God or from God, uh, when we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in christ that demands our loyalty, our um, commitment to Christ, to him. Uh, And you see that in Mephibosheth, he is never going to leave David. Uh, David has treated him as one of his own sons, and he can never, never turn his back on him. Um, Also, though, you see um, that Mephibosheth doesn't just serve David because of the blessings. He says, you know what, I don't even care about the land. Like, give it, Give the whole thing to Ziba. Like, uh, ultimately, uh, Mephibosheth served David and loved David um, because of David's kindness that he had shown him and not because of receiving land or... And there was, there was no hint of him desiring the kingdom we see now. Uh, he didn't care about all of that stuff. He just cared about his relationship with his adopted father now. And in the same way, it's true for us, right? If we serve God just because of the blessings, just because of what we can get from God, just so I can go to heaven, that's not not legitimate motivation, right? Um, Our motivation for serving God ought to be that, God, you have shown me such love. How could I ever abandon you? You're my father. So uh, in in conclusion, I just want to also ask the question, um, did David just treat Mephibosheth this way because he owed a debt to his father? Um, that's where we started out in, in chapter 9 and it said he wanted to show uh, the kindness of the Lord for the sake of Jonathan. Um, and I think that, uh, that was not. we see that that was ultimately not the case. He, uh, David lived this way toward everyone. He, um, he treated everyone with kindness and love um, and, and we ought to do the same. Uh, It's not just when we have certain commitments we have to keep. This is a a debt that ultimately we owe all men. I want to look in Romans 13 and leave you all with this today. Romans 13, verse 8. Again, the kindness of God that we have the opportunity to show to one another is a debt that we owe all people. So I'll read this and then the lesson will be yours. Romans uh, 13, verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law."